Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire Real Estate Agent Podcast. I'm Jason Abrams, and this is the place where we lift the curtain on the world of real estate like never before. Every week, I sit down with visionaries, pirates, and mavericks. We're here to document, demonstrate, and most importantly, demystify their game-changing models and systems. What secrets propel them to the top, and how are they living their dreams? This is about passion, it's about strategy, but above all, it's about real, tangible success. So buckle up and let's dive in. This is the Millionaire Real Estate Agent Podcast. To know him is to love him. I know you've all heard that phrase before, and it has never been said and been truer about anyone as I feel about Cody Gibson. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this, it is going to be impossible for you to listen to the next 40-minute podcast and not cry, smile, and cheer. Now, I know that is a brash statement to make, but when you hear the journey that Cody Gibson went on from paying rent at 12 years old to having a real estate business the size of the one that he does today, there's a little bit of each of us inside of the Cody Gibson story. This is one you should sit down with a cup of coffee in order to enjoy. Friends, buckle up. You're about to go on a journey with Cody Gibson. I'm joined today by Cody Gibson. Cody, how are you? Incredible. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's an honor for us. You know, it's interesting, Cody, because I, I, I talk to all kinds of people. And more often than not, we end up talking about the models that are driving their business, the systems that they're using to make more wealth. And, and we're going to get to all that, I promise. But I want to back up and I want to kind of hear, how did you find the real estate business or how did the real estate business find you? How far back are you willing to take us? I'll go, I'll go all the way back. If I talk about, if I talk about the actual day that I decided to get licensed as an agent, I was having lunch with a friend who picked me up and in the cup holder of the car facing my direction was a check for 12 grand. And I looked at the guy and I was thinking, this guy makes 24 grand a month. And I thought I'm, I'm doing the wrong, I'm in the wrong business. I turned left. I should have turned right. And that's why I got into real estate. Like, I wish we had better stories than that. But most of us didn't grow up thinking, man, if I just stay in school and I get good grades and keep my nose down, I'll become a realtor someday. Most of us didn't do that. We fell into this somehow. And then you realize this was the best trip I ever took. I love that. And But, but in order to end up in the car that day, and I, and I hear you said something interesting. I think the reason that we don't all wake up as as 15 year olds and 17 year olds and think about real estate is number one we don't we don't know about the opportunity oh, but number point. two we're dealing with stuff at 13 and 15 and you were dealing with a lot of stuff tell me a little bit about about your childhood uh when i was uh it was probably it was it was like 10 years old mom was a single mom and um she rented out my bedroom and so she let me know, hey, I rented out your bedroom and I'm going to ship you to grandma's house for a while. And we did this from 10 till about 12. So she would do like a four month or six month lease for the bedroom. I'd have to go live somewhere else and come back. And the last time I would have been about 12 and it was, it was um, Juneau, Alaska, wintertime. And I'm like, hey, I want to come home. And she goes, you can't, like your room is rented out until June. And I said, well, is there like is there any way I just, when you're 12, you just want to hang out with your friends. Like, that's it. You just want to hang out with your friends and that's all that matters. And like, that's it. And so I, I talked her into letting me move home and sleep. There was a boat. We had like this little boat on the side of the house. And so I slept in the boat. I said, if I come home, can I stay there? And she said, sure, but it's going to cost you $75 a month. And I was like, all right, I didn't. So I got a paper route, came home. You were 12. Wait, just stop for a second. You're 12 years old. Your mom has rented out your bedroom. I'm assuming for money. Was it that was the reason? Yeah, she yeah, of course. It. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I don't think that she looked down and said, "I, I, I don't want my son here." I think she looked down and said, "the The best way to make ends meet is to rent out the room and ship him off somewhere else." And so I went one place, my brother went another. But that would go for four or five months at a time, and then you ultimately, like, you get older and you ultimately decide, "I don't know that I know what I want, but I know what I don't want." 
And what I don't want is I don't want to be in a new school again. At that time, you know, every three or four months, I'd be in a new school system. And you're always a new kid at school, which is tough, right? And so for me, it's like 75 bucks. I, I, didn't have any, I didn't have any relevance to what that meant. I didn't know what that meant. But yeah, and so I said, no problem. I just want to, she could have told me $7,000. And I would have said, sure, like, yeah, I'll, I'll figure. Like, I don't know. I, didn't, I, had, no rel- I had no relevance. Well, I, I just can't imagine even looking up at 12 and having the pressure of needing to make a certain amount of money and still be 12. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me neither, but later in life, I look back and I go, I wished it wouldn't have happened and I'm glad that it did. And I think that's probably true for most people that have challenge or problem or issues. Um, I remember I was walking off stage one day, um, at a KW event and someone walked up and said, Hey, I want to be just like you someday. And I thought, well, that's crazy. Cause I know me. And, um, I said, well, what do you mean? And he goes, I want to be great at rejection. And you know, when you just say just the right, without even thinking, I said, I hope you're terrible with rejection the rest of your life. And he looked at me and I said, hang on. I think what you've done is you've mistaken my ability to hear rejection with me liking rejection. I hope that you have so little real rejection that it always just puts you on your butt. And what I mean by that is I was, when I was five, and this makes sense with the person that charges their 12-year-old rent, there's always a story behind the story. Uh, when I was five, mom sat my brother and I down and said, hey, never really wanted kids, and I've got the two of you. You can call me ma'am or Mrs. by her last name. And so for the next year, called mom ma'am. For a five-year-old that lives in a little box labeled rejection. So when a seller said, I think I'll hire somebody else, that's not rejection. When a buyer says, hey, I think I'll work with my friend instead of you, that's not rejection. And Gary had said once, and these things didn't click. Like it, It's not like at 12, I said, cool, this is my rejection story. But later in life, Gary made a comment. He said, the only real people in life that can actually reject you are people that you'd like to have at your deathbed. Wow. They could actually reject you. A dad that says, you're not my son. Uh, a mom that says, you can't call me mom. A brother that says, I never want to see you. Like those, those can, be, those are rejection. And I hope, I hope for everybody listening, you have such little rejection in your life. I hope you never get used to it. I hope it just floors you when it happens. Cause I, I would never want a life of rejection. I just think that the label of the experience becomes the experience. So when an agent says, ah, oh, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, I'm going to get rejection all day. And I don't think there's any human being that's designed for that. No, I'd agree with you especially at 12. So now, now you're 12. You're living in this boat on the side. Of, by the way, boats belong in water. Whole different conversation. We can get there another time. Yeah. You're living on the side. You're living in this. I don't think the boat actually ran. I don't think, I don't think the boat ever saw water. What, what, what was it like? We had a, it's crazy what you remember. Um, I remember there was an extension cord and the extension cord. I don't, I mean, I was 12. I just knew this. I could have light or heat. I had a little space heater and the light, but if I had them both on, you, the, the fuse would break and it would blow. Right. So, uh, every night it was like, and it's, again, you look back and man, I have a 12 year old and I can't imagine. You all don't have the luxury of seeing Cody like I do right now. And he is fighting back tears. And I just want you to know, man, everyone listening is doing the same thing. I don't tell this story often, but every time I do, I always think, Anybody listening has their story too. They might sound different or be different, but, but one's not worse or better. One's not harder or easier. They're all equal. Like every, every human has their, their things, right? And so I'd have to choose. And um, every once in a while, I'd plug both in and try to make it. And every damn time, it would blow the fuse. And then my mom would come out and she'd be pissed, right? Because the, the fuse would be blown. And so that didn't last forever, but it lasted long enough that I remember. Uh, but I got this paper route. And back then, this kind of dates you. It tells you how old I am. Back then, they would pay kids to take newspapers to people's houses and drop them off. And I didn't, again, later in life, you realize what you learned. Um, the school I wanted to go to wasn't in my school district. But that was the school that my friends went to. So my mom said, well, you got to figure out your own way to get there. And so the city bus was how I'd get there. But the city bus was 30 bucks a month. So now I had a $75 rent and $30 school bus. I mean, it's $30 city bus. And a paper route paid $110 a month. 
But when I got the paper route job, I remember the lady called me and she was so kind. She said, hey, blah, 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 uh, what's the address? And I said, address for what? And she goes, the address to drop your papers at. So I gave it to her and she said, no, 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 that's not where your paper route is. We can't, you know, we're going to have to see if another paper route opens up. In long story short, I needed an address where the paper route was, which I didn't think of. And so I said, hang on, no, 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 I gave you the wrong address. I'll call you in the morning. I can't remember it. I completely lied to her. I don't, I mean, I lied to her. And that night I went and I don't remember how many doors I knocked on, but it was, a, it was a number of doors. And I basically just went door to door in the paper route until I found an old lady named Ida. And I knocked on the door and she was so nice. And I said, I'd kind of developed a script, I suppose. I didn't know at the time, but later, you know, and I said, Hey, I need a paper route. And I, and here's what's going on. And can I have the papers delivered? They won't, it won't, won't cost you anything and won't hurt anything. I'll just come get them. You never have to worry about it. And she was so nice. She invited me in. She made me a sandwich and uh, she said, I'll make you a deal. She was probably, I mean, in my mind, she was 200 years old, but I'm sure she was like <laughs> 70, right? But she was so nice and so kind and made me this sandwich and chips. And she said, I'll tell you what, if you'll stop in here and chat with me and occasionally mow my lawn, you can have your papers delivered. And I said, no problem. Did y'all get that? Did I did y'all hear about that guy's life? I, you know, I sit and I'm listening as I'm talking to him and I'm, and I'm having this realization, which is no matter where you are today, all of us took some journey to get there. Now, one of two things is true about the journey you took. It's either the reason today you're having the struggles you are, or it's the strength behind you today that's propelling you to success. And you know the only difference? The difference is the way that you think about it. You see, there's a voice in your head that follows you everywhere that you go. And it either tells you that because of what happened to you, your opportunity is limited, or it tells you that even when there's less opportunities, that does not mean that your opportunity is less. Friends, the voice in your head determines the joy, the pain, or the power in your past. And when you listen to Cody, you can hear that they're not chains the things that happen to him are not chains that are holding him back. They're the fuel that are moving him forward. It was probably 18 months later. We did, like we had this great, cool relationship. By the way, she fed me lots of sandwiches. And one day I went to get my papers and she wasn't there. Her son was there. She had passed away that weekend. And he opened the door and he goes, are you Cody? She'd left in her will that I can get my damn papers delivered there. That's unbelievable. Like, who does that? But the, the problem, if you go back to math, 110 bucks for the paper route, I had 105 in expenses. And so while I was delivering papers one day, um, they always gave you two extras. And the two extras were to like give away to people and then hope that they sign up for the paper route. And one guy was like, hey, do you have a paper? And so I, I said, yes. And I handed it to him and he, hand, he handed me a dollar. And I thought, hang on a second. And so the next day I went by his desk and I said, would you like a paper? And he gave me another dollar. And that was where the entrepreneurial spirit was born. Because from there I went to, and I, I suppose the statute of limitations I'm sure is long past. <laughs> I would go to the paper box where they would put the papers and you'd put 50 cents in, but all the papers were there. And nobody questioned the paper boy who had a big bag that said paper company on it taking out 50 newspapers. Long story short, I had the $110 paper route, but I built my own on top of that that made me $200. And there was like 50 or 60 people and some would pay me a dollar. Every once in a while, they'd give me five, like for the Sunday paper. Um, so here I am at 12 years old, making 300 bucks a month. I was rich. Yeah, I must've felt like all the money in the world. And and, and you're you're doing this again to pay the rent to your to your mom. Yeah. And to take this city bus to school, yeah. is school suffering? I mean, I can't imagine doing all of this and still graduating, which is, I don't, did you, by the way? Did you end up getting, you did graduate? No. You, I mean, no, no. School, I was terrible at school. And uh, I, you, you look back in life and you, people say things like, you know, live a life of no regrets. I don't know anybody who has a life of no regrets. I know lots of people who go, hey, I kind of regret that choice, but it sure made me who I am. So I, I wrestle with that statement. I don't know how I feel about it, but I do know this. I know that uh, I did the paper out for a while. I um, did a few other, I was a cameraman for a news station for a while. And then I ultimately got a job at Kmart. 
And at Kmart, another incredible, you know, like life's always looking out. This guy, uh, this guy walked in, he was the new store manager. And I wasn't, I wasn't great at school, but I was great with people. I was good with people. Like I, I had that. And so all the managers liked me, which meant I took advantage of all the managers. And again, at that time, you don't know that, but uh, here I am, it's Wednesday night. I'm laying on a lawn chair in the garden department at Kmart, eating a bag of chips and a soda that I had taken, but did forgot to pay for, would be a kind way of saying it. Uh, this guy walks up, kicks the chair and goes, hey, my name's Randy. Um, I'm the new store manager and you're fired. He had shown up a week early and he had sat in the security office watching the video of all the employees and getting to know the store. And I went, uh, uh, oh, he, okay. By the time I got to the front door, he was standing there, arms crossed. And he said, Hey, I've heard that you have had a tough life and I've heard that you're a good kid. I'll make you a deal. You're fired. But I'll rehire you if you'll do what I tell you to do. You step outside the store, I'll never speak to you again. So he gave me a choice. He said, do you want to be rehired? But everything changes from here. Well, I needed the money. So I was like, yes, sir. So I walked back, clocked back in, put the red vest on. I had already broke my name tag in half, so I had to get a new name tag. But from that day forward, I became his sidekick. And that was probably the best two years of my life. During those two years, though, I worked an awful lot and school had to give. So uh, 15, I was the uh, second, second, second quarter of 10th grade. I needed to be able to work the morning shift to move up in my career. And so I talked to Randy, who'd become kind of like a dad. I said, listen, I'll do the morning shift. He said, what about school? And I said, I'll do it correspondence. The crazy thing is, Jason, he believed me. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I had, I mean, I'm 15. I'm making 70 grand a year. I had no intention, zero of actually completing high school. And Fooled so, you. Yeah. That's yep, so good. Yep. So well, let me yeah. ask you this. You, you say that it's the best two years of your life up to that point. What did you learn from Randy? When you, I'm sure that there you could fill a book with it, but when you look back and you honor him, what, what would you say? He did a couple things really well. Number one, he had that knack of making people feel special. It didn't matter if it was a customer. It didn't matter if it was an employee. It didn't matter if it didn't matter if it was a good, a good conversation, bad conversation. I watched him fire a hundred people and hire a hundred people. And every time he just somehow made people feel good about themselves. He just, he just did it. Like it was magic. And so like, I work at that, like someday that'll be common. But every day I wake up and I think, how do I make people feel special? Um, the second thing was he said, and he said it again and again and again and again and again. He said, where you come from has no bearing on where you're going. Wow. That must've really hit home for you. Yeah. It's massive. And then the third thing was he said, and this was kind of one of his little sayings. He, he said, you either are born with money or you earn it. Those are your choices. You know, all of us will go through life and we'll interact with people that say things that we don't just hear, we feel. And the difference for Cody and, and the relationship that he's having, because he, listen to this guy, he can go back and tell you, these are the three sayings that this human used to have. This human who made an imprint and an impact on his life. Here's what I believe. I believe that all of us are born with a divine soul. And I believe that in that soul is all of the wisdom that we need to get us to live our best lives. The challenge with it is that wisdom is behind a giant lock. And that's why we wake up every day on the hunt for knowledge. And I think of knowledge as specific information. This is when you take a course, you listen to a show like this one, you, 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 you go and you read a specific book. But the moments that you feel what someone is saying, as opposed to hearing what they're saying, and then you look up and say, oh my gosh, I just had a great insight. It's actually, it's the wrong word. That would mean you heard something coming from the outside. That would be called an outsight. I believe the reason it's an insight is because it's actually coming from within you. And when you hear it, it unlocks this divine soul and boom, you own that knowledge now forever. And what Cody is saying is that in his life, he's been looking for locksmiths to unlock these moments of wisdom. And this gentleman was transformative and was a locksmith 
that he remembers to this very day. My question to you is this, who in your life right now is unlocking your divine wisdom? And if you look around and you don't have those people around you, then that's a sign you're in the wrong group. And so that was his way of saying, you're going to work a lot. And you were going to put in a lot of hours. Like he was, he was the store manager, right? He was the retail manager that came from the breed of managers that would, you know, be proud of, Hey, I've worked 85 days in a row, you know, Hey, I've gone 110 days in a row with no days off. And, and during my career since then, I've had to untie some of that because I, that, that ultimately, like we know what that means, but he sure taught me a work ethic when I didn't have one. Love that. Okay. So you're 15. You're now going to school correspondence. You're working full time at Kmart. Yeah. And it, um, now, now at this point, I did that for a couple of years. So at 17, my division manager, uh, his name was Brad. He came to visit the store and he said, Hey, I'd like you to move to Hawaii and open a store in Hawaii. At the time I had become the youngest manager in Kmart history. That was, that was the reason I, you know, had to have the morning shifts. And I was like, oh, okay, I'd love to do that. That sounds, I mean, Hawaii sounds amazing. I'm, I had lived in a boat on the side of a house in Alaska. So Hawaii sounds incredible. And who knows what mom will charge for rent there, but let's try. And I said, um, how much will I make? And it was about what I was making where I was. At the time, Kmart paid Hawaii and Alaska the same cost of living. And then I said, okay, cool. Um, how much do you make? And he told me, and I remember thinking, man, that's not enough money. This guy was probably 50 or 60. I'm 17. And all I heard was, this is your future in 40 years. And I quit that day. I was like, no, that's, he, he actually wasn't even making that much more than I was. Like I was at like 70 or 72 or something. And I think he told me 120, which at the time, I mean, I don't know, this was 1997. You quit that day. Yeah, I was out. I'm like, no, 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 this is, this sucks. I'm not doing this. If you're listening to this and you have a job, you need to quit, find a job first. That's a better plan. <laughs> and there it is, folks, from Cody Gibson. All right, so what happens next? Now I'm, I gotta, I'm sucked into this tale, by the way. We're making a movie. So then, now you're unemployed. Yeah, um, but back then, I mean, um, Jason, you remember. Um, back then, you had places called unemployment offices. So I quit, and I drove to the unemployment office. And on the wall was a whole bunch of ads for jobs. Today it's called Craigslist, but back then it was an unemployment office. And one of them said, territory manager, $100,000 a year, uh, make your own hours. I pulled it off the wall so nobody else could see it. And I called and it was two phone interviews. It was a door-to-door -door sales job for a political lobby organization that sold memberships to business owners that then took the money, supposedly, and lobbied politics at the state and federal level. Long story short, my job was selling the memberships. I remember the second interview, they said, hey, this is the dumbest thing. They said, the next interview, we're going to see if you can memorize a 10-page presentation. And I thought, all right, no problem. But remember, this was now 1997. This wasn't on Zoom. And they said, we're going to mail you the presentation. And so I thought, Remember, I'm the guy who lied about quitting school. Like I thought, hang on, you're going to mail me the presentation. They're going to call me next week and see if I can memorize it. Dude, I got this. And so the next week they called me after the mail delivered it. And I had set all 10 pages out on the table, but it was on the phone. They couldn't see me. I had all 10 pages out and that way they couldn't hear the paper rustling. And I read you, all. You had thought of everything. You, you're... <laughs> If you need a guy to think of any way to cheat a system, like I'm the guy you want at the table. <laughs> and I, I didn't want, because when I was practicing, you could hear the paper rustling. And I'm like, well, that's not going to fly. They're smarter than that. And so I read all 10 pages. And on four or five of the pages, I had put little sticky notes that said stop. And so I would stop and I would say, um, or ah, that way they couldn't. At the end, he goes, his name was Ed. He goes, Cody, that is the best anyone has ever done. I'd love to hire you. And I thought, yes, this is fantastic. I aced it, aced it. He said, cool, I'm going to fly to, I still lived in Juneau. He said, I'm going to fly. This was like a, a Wednesday or Thursday. He said, I'm going to fly out there and I'll see you Monday morning. <laughs> we met at the hotel and he goes, we're going to go make calls. Literally within 15 minutes of meeting, we were at someone's, like you'd go door to door. And so we just went to businesses next to the hotel and I'm like, oh shit. And so he goes, your turn. I went in and I bombed it. I bombed it. 
afterwards he goes, what happened? You were so good at this. And I was like, I know I'm just, I, I've never done it in person. And I just have, I had to memorize it that night. And you did. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, well, it was a hundred thousand dollar job. I'd never, I didn't know what a hundred thousand meant, but it sounded like true wealth. By the way, I don't think I ever made a hundred grand at that job, but it sounded, it sounded good. And anyway, in that job, it was horrendous. And I sold lobby memberships door to door. And you gave this 10 page presentation to someone who didn't want to hear it and wasn't expecting you. So when I got into real estate a few years later and somebody handed me a, a buyer rep agreement and said, here, have people sign this. I thought this is the easiest job on earth, man. This is, this is eight paragraphs. This is nothing. So Cody, you, you've told me that you, you start to have these kind of transformative experiences. You're traveling around, you're trying to find your path, and you end up seeing a paycheck for someone that's in the real estate business. And you look up and say, oh my God, it, it almost sounds like a movie. You mean to tell me you made that much money selling houses? And the person says, yes. And you say, I'm in, I'm selling houses. So now you go and you finally get the license. What happens next? Remember your first day? I don't think we give much thought to it. Remember my first day, it was 8 a.m. I pull into the parking lot wearing a suit and tie. I don't want to be late. I don't know what the loneliest place on earth is, but the second loneliest place is a real estate brokerage at 8 a.m. on Monday. <laughs> yes. Like no one's there. No one's there. In, in fact, if you want a private office at your, at your brokerage, you don't have to earn it. Just go at eight. You can have all the offices. They're all yours. And the receptionist was there. She looks at me. And it was probably 8.15 by the time she got there. And I remember I go, hey, um, it's my first day. I was so excited. It was my first day. And she was so, like, just fast as a whip. She goes, congratulations. And I was like, well, I'm here to see Denny. Denny had hired me. And she kind of chuckled and said, wow, Denny comes in about 10. And so I sat there and waited, you know, the pleather, you know, nicest pleather sofa right there in the, in the lobby. Um, 10 a.m., Denny walks in and she kind of points to me. He looks at me. You ever seen someone look at you and you know they forgot you? Oh, yeah. Like they don't remember who you are. And so I stood up and I said, Sir, it's my first day. And anyway, he had hired me on Thursday. And I remember the day that he hired me, I aced the interview. The whole interview was like 10 minutes long. They offered me the job on the spot. They didn't check my references. Like I, I thought I should probably just I should start a business of, of interviewing. I'm obviously amazing at interviewing. Yeah, same experience. I, when I went into my first brokerage, I went in in a suit and tie that my mom had bought me and a resume. And I handed the resume and I then spoke. I sold myself to this guy. For, and I closed it with, sir, if you give me this opportunity, I will not let you down. And this guy, he hems and he haws and he's scratching his beard. And he's really, I can tell he's having an internal struggle. And I say, I'll do it. I'll do anything, sir. And, and he's He's tied up in knots inside because he only has one of these magical real estate agent jobs to give, Cody. And then he looks at me and he says, I'm going to take a chance on you, son. And I remember walking out of that place feeling like I had literally just been given the greatest job in the world. When I went the next day and said, where do I go to get the pay stubs and, and sign up for HR? He said, what do you mean? We don't pay you here. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Sounds like you had a very similar experience. I'll bet everybody did. I mean, I didn't know what I, I mean, it, 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 I will tell you now that I'm older, it should have been a clue that it was the only interview I went to that at the end they offered me, they asked me for a credit card number. That should have been my clue. I should have known in that moment, but I didn't. Now I just want to know where you find a mom who gives you a suit. Oh, that's a, it's a podcast <laughs> for another time. That's what, that's what I took out of that. And so that first day, he shows me to a little desk and blah, blah, blah. And, and throughout the day, I don't know what to do, but yours probably was similar. I went and found him and I was like, hey, when do they come? And he goes, who? And I'm like, the people, like the buyers. And he goes, no, 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 they don't come here. But I didn't know. I'd never bought a house before. Didn't know. I mean, and many people get into real estate that I'd never bought, but I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. Long story short, at the very end of the day, 5.30, I didn't want to leave early. Randy always said, put in the, put in the hours. And so it's 5.30, I'm walking to my car. He walks up, puts his arm around me, goes, how was your first day? I looked right at my boss and lied because that's, I mean, why, why, why? I said, it was great, sir. And he goes, that's what I like to hear. He goes, I'm going to give you the best piece of advice. If you sell a house a week around here, you'll be okay. And I said, okay, sir. I didn't know what that meant, but there were all these people in this beautiful building. It was the prettiest building I'd ever worked in, and everybody looked rich. Everybody had nice cars. Everybody had nice clothes. They all looked successful. So I thought, this just, this just must be it. But 
you ever learned something that wasn't true or was true, but actually didn't help you? It was 17 weeks later. I knock on his door Thursday afternoon. I said, sir, I need an extension till Monday. He said, extension for what? And I said, a sale. Now he had said, sell a house a week and you'll be okay. I'd sold 16 homes in 16 weeks. But that 17th week, I legit thought, Jason, I thought I was going to get canned. Because what I heard was sell a house a week and you'll be fine. He said, sell a house a week and you'll be fine. What I heard was the minimum around this place is a house a week. That's crazy. Wait a second. We, we got to back up. We had very different experiences. My, my sales manager on the second day, I said, what do I do? He said, you go get a Cadillac. <laughs> Any way you need to. You go... You, because I grew up in Detroit, so you got to go get yourself a Cadillac. Literally, I honestly, I convinced a co-signer, I got a Cadillac. Oh I came gosh. back and said, I got the car, now what? And he said, now you better go figure out how you're going to make some sales and pay for it. Here's a phone book. By the time you get to the D's, you'll have one. Oh, my gosh. That was the entire training regiment at this brokerage house. That was all it was. Was he right? I didn't sell a single home for the first six months. Mm. I still made a hundred grand that year. I was just a little bit wow. of a late bloomer. I figured it out in the six months. Mm -hmm. So how do you sell 16 homes in 16 weeks as a new real estate agent? You know what's crazy about that is every once in a while when I tell that story on stage or somewhere else, somebody will ask that question. It's a great question, but I don't know. Number one, this was, and I, I've, come to, I've come to find this. Number one, it's 23 years ago. I don't know. I was hustling my butt off. I was talking to everybody. What I do know is this, and I do think what's important is to remember I didn't have some magical system or model. And I like to remind people until you're selling enough homes, I don't know that you need much of a model or system beyond talking to people and asking for business. There will come a day that you go, hang on, I can't just do that and double my business anymore. But I'm convinced anybody who wants to could sell about a house a week just by talking to everybody they know and working a lot. Now, that sounds like well, a, a story Wait model. a second. I, I look, I, I love that. But then this begs the question, because here's the reality of it. Half of the people that have real estate licenses won't sell a home in a year. Well, yeah, but I said, I said talking to everybody they know and working a lot. Who you described isn't doing either of those things. Now, sometimes I guess your sales, your, your sales mentor at Kmart was right. Yeah. It, which was it, work. If you do the work, you're good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember my, I remember my sales manager at the brokerage had, had, he caught me once at the, at the, at the mail, like the mail slot. And I was mailing off like my utility bills. Right. And he goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm mailing my bills off, sir. And he goes, why? And I was like, God, don't want my power cut off. And <laughs> he looked at me and he said, you're going to be broke. And I'm like, what? And he goes, remember, I was selling a house a week, man. I'm like, no, I'm going to be fine. And he said, no, no, no. He said, what you should do is take that thing out of the envelope, drive over to the power company, stand in line, hand the bill and the check and ask the person at the counter if they want to buy a house. Wow. Now, I don't know that that's a model that you're going to go build a giant millionaire real estate agent team on, but the theory of it could be. His point was, go talk to the humans. His point was, you chose a human business, uh, go spend time with the humans. And I think that sometimes models and systems take us off track from that. And I think, I remember it was a mastermind with Gary once when he said, be careful that your systems don't get so big that you need systems to track your systems. That's sage advice. So how, so that first year, how, you, you ended that year, how much money did you make? Because you had walked away from the 100000 so You haven't heard the best part of the story. On that day, when I said I need an extension until Monday, I was like, listen, I got two offers out. I think one will go, one won't. I've got three opens on Sunday, and I've got three tours on Saturday. So I guess when you look at it like that, that was the model. I did lots of showings and lots of, like I was sitting 12, 15 opens a week because that's where people were. Like, just go sit opens until you don't need to sit opens anymore. Anyway, he looked at me and he goes, listen, you're doing fantastic. Nobody sells a house a week forever. And it took four months to sell my next house. Wow. This sole difference was what I thought. I thought everybody around here sells a house a week, so it must be possible. And then poof, 16 weeks later, he said, nobody sells a house a week. And so I stopped selling a house a week. So when I think, like when people say things like, it's, uh, it's mindset. And, and behind me in my, in my office, I've got a fish. And it's a goldfish with, and, everyone, and you've all seen it. It's a goldfish with a shark fin attached to the top. And it says, mindset is everything. To me, that's what I think of when I think mindset. I think be careful what you think. Because I thought selling a house week was easy, so I did. Then I thought, crap, 
I shouldn't be selling a house a week. I'm somehow doing it wrong. And so I stopped selling a house a week. So that first year, I sold 16 homes the first 16 weeks, sold nothing for the next four months. And then I went back to about one a week. So I sold about 30 homes that year. The most money I'd ever made in my life. I, I had never even sniffed that much money before. Didn't know what it meant. Now, two years later, when I hadn't paid my taxes, I learned what that kind of money meant. <laughs> Why did? Yeah. What do you mean you didn't pay your taxes? No, I you just didn't. no. Why would you pay? I mean, it was the greatest thing on earth, man. They didn't take any money out of the check. It was the craziest thing. They took the brokerage split, and they literally gave me the rest. I didn't know. Everywhere I'd worked before that, they took it from me, but I never paid attention. It was just that's how much you had. And so, two years later, the accountant I went to asked me the question, "Why weren't you paying your taxes?" And I remember thinking. Ah, because I'm 21 making 200 grand. That's why I didn't pay my taxes. Like I, no, I, and then, because I spent it. I spent it. I've had a great couple of years. Now I'm screwed. So right. you had, you're in a giant hole now. How much do you owe the government at this point? $105,000, 105, which sounds like, I mean, that still feels like a lot of money to me. Um, but at the time it was, it was more than I could even fathom. And I remember that summer, this would have been my third year in real estate. So my third summer, it was, you ever been in a place that was so bad, all you could do was work your way out. And that was the only choice you could make. That was it. I mean, remember, I don't have a high school education at this point. I don't, I certainly don't have a college degree. You made the comment once, Jason, you said that you had graduated, which I felt like you were bragging in the moment, but you said you graduated. And then you said you had like a C, like a C average. I, I graduated with a 1.9 GPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, they don't make you a doctor. They don't make people like me, doctors or lawyers. No, no, no. We just become authors and podcast hosts. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, you're 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 in the in the right spot. So, I can't get a different job. I owe 105 grand in taxes, and so that summer, every time I got a commission check, I always had mentor. Like I always had mentors in my life, but they weren't on purpose until much later in life. Back then, it was on accident. They were just people that that looked out for me and maybe felt bad for me. And this one agent, at the time, she was the biggest agent at her brokerage. It was a different brokerage than where I was. But she said, take 40% of your check and pay your taxes that day. And I was like, cool. So what I did was I went and I cashed my commission checks. And I would take 40% of the money and I would drive to the um, IRS office in Anchorage, is where I was at the time, and I would make a deposit. The crazy thing is, if you go to the IRS and make a deposit, they don't even ask what it's for. They just take the money. Wow. They just take it. They never once said, how much do you, they just said, thank you, and gave you a receipt. And I knew I was paying off 105. So that summer, I remember the feeling on the last check paying off 105,000. But what I didn't realize or didn't think about was I was using that year's income to pay a previous year's tax. And it's like paying your mortgage three weeks late. It's like, yes, damn. And so the next year I had the exact same problem. Unfortunately, I've had to learn this tax lesson twice. Seven or eight years later in my career, I learned it a second time. And I don't know any, I don't know any mega agents who haven't had some bout with the IRS at some point. Is Cody, you, you go from these terrible lows, it sounds like. And today you talk about them as their learning experiences and you're obviously having wild success. So what's the thing that gets you through the day you find out you have the $105,000 bill? You're, I mean, your back's up against the wall. Like you don't have another choice. I mean, it was, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what it meant if you didn't pay it, but I didn't want to find out. Okay, fine. But, th and this seems to be the pattern in your life. You look, you didn't have a choice and had to get the paper out. You didn't have a choice and you had to go get a job. You didn't have a choice and you kept the job at Kmart. Like you had your back up against the wall plenty of times, but now you got, by all external views, you got plenty of money. Things are good. You have a lot of choices. You still wake up at 4 a.m. every day and come and grind. Why do you keep making that choice, even though now your back is not up against the wall? I know that it could be. And my back is up against the wall compared to the business I could be doing. It's up against the wall compared to the amount of people I could be helping. I get the benefit today because of what I do inside of KW that I get to help lots of people, which is awesome and I feel amazing about it. But I wake up and I think that's cool. But what if I could be helping three times that many people? What if I could have a, uh, an impact on four times as many people? And so for me, I have that pressure. Like I'm, I'm the type like many of you that I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at taking naps. Like I'm just not a napper. Even if I'm, I, I hate taking, and if I fall asleep during the day, I wake up and I fly off the couch as if I've lost everything. And I don't know that that's a healthy feeling, but it's a feeling that you could use for good. 
And if I have an addiction to something, the addiction is creating. The addiction is chasing something. It's not, I mean, I'd love to say it's money. I like money. Money's great. I had the benefit of hearing Gary for my entire, the majority of my entire adult life. And so Gary used to say things like, it's not the money, it's what the money can do. And so I didn't have that mentor growing up. I didn't have that mom or dad growing up. When we moved to Alaska, I was eight and it was because the DEA came and knocked on the door and we were, we were pot farmers, but we were, we were pot farmers before like it was cool <laughs> before it was allowed in, in, in 41 States. And, uh, so we moved to Alaska that weekend and back then you could go there and like disappear. Right. And so for me, I knew what I didn't want. So I've always just went the other direction. Cody, when you look at your business now, what, what's the thing that you, y'all do so well that you could teach us? Cause I, cause you know, you hear 1800 units, how are you generating enough leads to close that many real estate deals? I mean, we do it the same way everybody should do it, which is referrals, repeats. Who do you know? Family, friends, open houses, internet lead generation. We use command pay-per-click. I mean, I mean, quite, quite frankly, you don't need a hundred models. You just need a couple that you work at a hundred percent level. And I think that's the mistake that we make is that we get, I know that I get really, I get excited about a oh, hundred different things. And then I do none of them. And if I pick a couple of things and do that, I'm a hundred percent level. I, I would say if I gave credit to myself, the credit would be, I'm exceptionally good at looking whatever looking at what everybody does and then distilling it down to a simple path for tomorrow. I get to hang out with some of the coolest agents in America. I get to hang out with some of the biggest producers. I get to hang out with some of the biggest crushers in our business and she and he every day are doing something that I go I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. And I think that to me is what the idea of mastermind has become. If I'm good at something, it's about amassing a bunch of things that a bunch of people do at a high level and then copying it until I'm doing it. You know, Cody, we get people from all different genres and enterprises that listen to the show because so many of the lessons we learn in real estate are universal to all entrepreneurs. And one of the things he says about all entrepreneurs is that you have to make peace with the process. Oh. And most people look up and say, how can I get to the conclusion? And the challenge with wanting to get to the conclusion is there's no way to get there without going through the process. You have a choice to make. Are you conditionally happy and say, I'll be happy when I'm done? Or are you happy as you go through the process? Because that that path, that fulfillment, if you can't find happiness on it, you're going to spend the majority of the time miserable. Yeah, that's so well said. That's so well said. What what I what I hear when you say that that goes through my crazy brain is make peace with and fall in love with the journey and forget about the destination for a little while. A hundred percent. And but whenever I say that to people in any sort of way everyone sort of immediately rolls their eyes and shuts down because this idea that you find peace and fulfillment along the way is frustrating for people. And the reason it's frustrating is because the way is never short. Is that why? The truth of the matter is anything worth doing is going to take focus. Wow. And anything that takes focus is going to require time. And the reason why some people get so much out of life and so much out of their day and so much out of their week is because they have focus on the things that matter most during the time they're spending on the activity. Mm. God, that's so well said. The, the challenge of life is number one, figuring out what it is I want and who it is that I am. And then number two, being able to cast a calendar that focuses on the activities that it takes to then live those things. Gary Keller once told me, he said, Jason, act as if doesn't mean pretend. It actually means do it. God, that's such an aha when you say it like that. Yeah. I, that's why him and Jay write the books yeah. and become the backdrops for our lives. Man, I can, I mean, I, could, I, I just continue to learn and learn and learn and learn. And you had asked about traveling and the reason that it's still worth it every day. Um, I was in four cities in four days this week and it's tiring, but it's also not tiring. I get a front row seat to watch people succeed. I get a front row seat to watch people fail sometimes. Both are important. I think knowing where you want to go is important. I think knowing what doesn't work or where you don't want to go is vital. I think there's two different things. And I've been clear my whole life of what I don't want. And that leaves you just a few choices. When you don't know, 
or you're okay with this or this or this or this, well, then anything works. When any, any path is fine. Well, that depends on the destination you want, right? Like you look down someday and you go, okay, like I've got on my wall, it says A plus T equals R. And it's just my reminder that my action plus time equals result. And in my world, maybe yours is the same. It takes me forever for anything to work. It's just not often that I try something and poof, it worked. I know people that seemingly everything they do works and man, it irritates me because I, I feel like it's always like, nope, nope, we're going to screw this up eight times. And then on the ninth, we're going to finally, you know, usually it's because I listened to somebody I should have listened to in the beginning anyway, but action plus time equals result. And I think um, I heard this, I was listening to the podcast once and they said making a cake and like the MREA model or a business model um, or any model that you use the thing is, it's like making a cake. You might not like salt by itself, but the ingredient left out will ruin the cake. The most important part is the time. At the end, it says bake that thing for 40 minutes at 350. As a realtor, I go, wait, wait, wait. I think I'll do 600 degrees for 21 minutes instead. And of course, I want it right now. And that's how I'm wired. So the cake is ruined. And I have to remind myself, unfortunately, uh, time is just as important of an ingredient as anything else. Brilliant. Friends, Cody Gibson, we want to invite you to the lightning round. Now, here's how this goes. We're going to ask you a series of questions in quick succession. You need to give us the answer immediately at the top of your head. Do you understand how this works? <laughs> could I be fined? It could be. This is, this it is could my, happen. My, first, my, my first thought is worry. Well, look, the truth <laughs> of the matter is you're already about to be audited. Oh, so we might as well oh, just perfect. enjoy what time we have left. Cody, what is your favorite food? Uh, lasagna. What's your favorite color? Black. What is your favorite sound at the moment? Money. When you hear it, you just love it. Money. What does that sound like to it's, you? It's, it's dumb, but sometimes I'll take a big wad of cash and just do this with it to hear my thumb flipping through it. It's the, it's the dumbest thing. But you asked, and that's my lightning question. What's the next one? Because now I feel funny. A book. And it doesn't have to be the one you're reading now, but if you were going to recommend one to a whole audience of people that changed your life, what would it be? Uh, there'd be three. Actually, there'd be three. Number one is Lonesome Dove, which is ridiculous, but Lonesome Dove. I didn't have the greatest dad on earth, but when I was nine, he handed me Lonesome Dove and said, I won't be able to teach you a lot, but this book can. And I read that book, Larry McMurtry, probably six times, seven times. And then of course it became a seven hour movie. And whenever I was homesick from school or skipping school, which is more likely the case, uh, I watched that silly movie. And in, in my heart, it's the, it's the closest um, that I have to my dad. Uh, Atomic Habits and MREA. So if I could spend the day and watch Lonesome Dove, read the MREA and listen to Atomic Habits and flip my thumb through a stack of cash, it's been a great day. Fantastic. Because I was about to ask you your favorite movie. You want to go with The Lonely Lonesome Dove? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That would have to be it. It's seven hours and, 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 a, and a decent decent movie. Is there a podcast that you like to listen to that you'd recommend? Sounds silly, but I really like uh, Think Like a CEO. There it is. Friends, that was Cody Gibson. Cody, thank you for your time today. Wow. Jason, I got more from it than you did. Thank you. You know, I could listen to Cody all day long. And the reason is because he inspires me. He doesn't just inspire me to be better at work. He inspires me to be better at life. And here's the reason why. When you hear him tell his story, you could come away and say, there is absolutely no reason that with that beginning, his middle, where he is right now, should be as impressive as it is. He somehow managed to take every disadvantage and turn it into an advantage. He became mentally strong because of the obstacles that he faced. And as you listen, you hear all of the different points of failure. None of it was clean, none of it was beautiful, and none of it is worthy to stand in front of a room and talk about, except the fact that he kept going. You see, sometimes perseverance is more important than talent. Not that he isn't wildly talented. But Cody has that it factor. He has that thing. My biggest takeaway is that Cody has grit. It wouldn't have mattered what life threw at him. You see, it was coming its way, and all he was going to do was react. And that's what he did time and time again. Friends, as you listen to Cody Gibson, here's what I want you to ask yourself. Did Cody become as successful as he is because he didn't fail? Or did Cody become as successful as he is because all he did was fail and then make incremental changes after the failings? 
That's what you heard from Cody Gibson. As you look out over your life and as you talk to people about theirs, I'd like you to keep something in mind. The world wants to believe that there's a hockey stick drawing that goes straight up. Friends, it doesn't. It goes up and it goes down and it goes left and it goes right. And at the end of the day, your success will not be judged on any one day or any one victory or any one failure. Instead, it will be judged on how you deal with those things. You see, you are going to get hit and you are going to fall down. The question, do you insist on getting back up? Just like Cody Gibson. Thank you, friends. And there it is. That wraps another episode. Friends, I don't know what you're taking out of this. I really don't. I'll tell you what I want you to be taking out of it, which is these are the people that are having tremendously big lives. And the reason it's happening is because they're setting up the models and systems to do just that. Gary Keller told me that leadership is teaching people how to think so that they do the things they need to do when they need to do them, so that ultimately they get the things they want when they want to have them. And that's what I want for you. You're all leaders, but it begins with leading ourselves. If you're enjoying this podcast, I want you to click the subscribe button anywhere that you get your podcasts. We want to be the voice in your head every single week, and every week we're dropping new content. We also send out a newsletter at the conclusion of every show to make sure that you get the highest points and the models and systems that were discussed. So if you want to sign up, I need your name and your email address. Head over to the millionaireagentpodcast.com. Millionaireagentpodcast.com. Enter your name and your email address, and every week that newsletter will be in your box. Friends, you just went on a journey. I hope that what happens between now and the next time we meet is absolutely wonderful for you. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. The views, thoughts, and opinions of the guest represent those of the guest and not KWRI and its affiliates and should not be construed as financial, economic, legal, tax, or other advice. This podcast is provided without any warranty or guarantee of its accuracy, completeness, timeliness, or results from using the information.